Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Enough. I can't live holy enough. I keep sinning. I see eyes on flesh. Put your eyes on him. Your eyes must be on him. And what you focus on, you will become like. Whatever you focus on, you'll become like. I've decided not to look at Mark Stroud anymore. I want to see Christ. And when you see Christ revealed in you, you become the greatest self that you've ever desired to be. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Thank you once again for joining us for another uh, Sunday morning broadcast right here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. Remember, if you're in the area, stop on by and see us. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Go to our website at kingdomrock.org for more details. Kingdomrock.org. For some reason, I am just had a picture of chocolate. Yeah, hmm. Have some chocolate while you are watching, I guess. I don't know. All right, yes, uh, our fast is coming up. As Todd mentioned, our fast is coming up the first week of um, January 2024. And during that fast, right, no meats, no sweets. Uh, we're just drinking water during that time. Uh, and we'll have more details for you. We're limiting social media, limiting all the media so that we can focus in on the Lord. And uh, we're reading the book of John during the fast as well. And we're praying three times a day, an emphasis on prayer and seeking the face of God. Amen. Amen. All right. Today, we're going to go into part two of the message entitled, Believe It or Not. Believe it or not. Remember, the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be ushered in by believing, not through confident labor. Uh, in other words, it won't be your strength that God's going to use during this time. It's going to be His strength. His strength. Let's not get it twisted. It's not about your strength. It's about His strength. You will not have enough strength in and through yourself in order to manifest uh, the outpouring, in order to manifest uh, the abundance in this hour. You're going to need the strength of God. You're going to need the strength of God. Those who have abandoned their own strength and who realize I'm not strong enough to get this done and who will pour themselves in into the strength of Christ will see miracles, signs, and wonders. You're going to have to abandon your own strength. You don't have enough strength. Let's settle that. You don't have enough strength in and of yourself. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough power in and of yourself to heal a gnat. You're going to have to need, you're going to need the Holy Spirit of God. You're going to need the Spirit of God. Are you hearing, saints of God? You're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the Spirit of Christ in your heart and in your life. You're going to have to rest in His ability, knowing that you do not have what it takes in and of yourself. You're going to have to rest in Him. And that's what the Lord is calling for in this hour, for you to rest in Him. 
You understand that we're living in the Sabbath day. In the Sabbath day, God rested from his labors. And man was created, or he had his body. His body was, uh, man received the breath of life, should I say, in the Sabbath day. He didn't, the Lord did not create him, or he didn't have a physical body during the days of work. The first day through the sixth day, but on the seventh day, the Bible declares in the book of Genesis, man received the breath of life. He received the body, and the Lord raised him up on the day of rest. We're called to rest in God, to rest in his labor. So why are we so fearful? Why are we so agitated? Why are we so worried? Because we're resting in our labor. We're resting in our works, which will never, ever be enough. Never, ever be enough. We're going to have to learn to rest in him and look away from ourselves and depend on him. We should have really a a total dependence upon him. And this is when we will see the really the manifestation of God. Now, we're going to go into, into the book of Mark, Mark, the ninth chapter. There's so much that is here. Mark 9, I'm going to read verses 2 through uh, verses 8 to start off with, just to give us proper context. But this, I've been trying to get here for weeks. Uh, This text of Scripture has to do with end times. It has to do with uh, what the church is going through now at this current moment. It has to do with uh, overcoming in this time. So you really do need to hear and really meditate on these words in Mark 9. There's so much here that it may take us for the rest of the year, I don't know, to go through all of it. I don't know, but we'll be led of the Spirit as we do this. So Mark, the ninth chapter, Mark 9, you're welcome to turn with me in your Bible, so make note of it. But of course, uh, it will be also on the screen. Mark 9, verse number 2 says, and after Six days, Jesus, mm, I love that, after six days, once again, that's powerful. And after six days, and take it uh, with him, Peter, one more time, after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a, into a, uh, a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his raiment became shining, exceeding white, as snow, as, so as no fuller on earth can white them. In other words, no bleach can ever get them this, this white. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, or Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said, Lord, rather he said, he said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, or that is Elijah. For he wist not or he didn't know what to say, for they were so afraid. They were very afraid. Verse 7. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And suddenly when they had looked Round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with them, with themselves. Now, there's so much that can be said here. So this happened after six days. Verse number two says, and after six days, what day happens after the sixth day? Right. 
Seven comes after six, right, class? Very good. Right, right, right. Very good. Very good. Seven comes after six. And seventh day is the day of? Is the day of rest. So on the seventh day, on the seventh day, we see the Lord manifest. He's manifesting his power. On the seventh day, the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory fills the place. On the seventh day, God speaks. So they're no more in their strength. There's nothing that Peter, James, and John, there's nothing that they can do right now. All they can do is worship. Of course, Peter puts his foot in his mouth. Hey, Lord, it's good. Yes. But there's nothing that you can do when you're in that realm of glory but worship and let God do his thing. Hallelujah. But we have the tendency to want to labor when God says rest. Peter was trying to labor. Hey, let me do something. Let me do something. Let me say something. Let's, he said, he even suggested work. Lord, let us build three altars here. Let us build two, three tra- tabernacles here. Why are you trying to work and labor in the time of rest, in the time of glory? God speaks. Let him speak. And you're going to find something here. Elijah, and we're going to see this further on down. Elijah and Moses, of course, Elijah represented the prophets and Moses represented the law. And they stood with Christ. Now, both Elijah and Moses, uh, just like really all the rest of the prophets, but specifically with them, Moses got in the flesh. He struck the rock instead of of speaking to the rock. Uh, Elijah, of course, after his showdown with uh, the prophets of Baal there on Mount Carmel, he runs in fear. He got in the flesh. He runs in fear. Right. And he also goes into the mountain. Moses, of course, goes into the mountain, too. We'll see that there. Moses got into the mountain, went to the mountain, came down and saw trouble in the valley. Uh, Elijah ran from trouble up into the mountain. So there's still, even both with them, there's trouble in the valley. There was trouble in the valley. But understand something. Moses and Elijah also representing works, also representing the flesh. In the time of glory, notice how flesh disappears. They're gone. And all you see is Jesus. And this is a picture of the end time church, if you will hear. What God is looking for in this hour. He does not want to see your flesh. He wants the world to see him. He wants the world to see Christ. And I would, I would dare to say that there needs to be a total abandonment of self. So that the world can see Jesus revealed in you. Is it possible that we can be completely submitted to God? Completely yielded to him? That the Holy Spirit completely be revealed in us, letting Christ be seen through us. And we prayed this over the number over a number of years that the people would not just merely see us, but they would see Jesus through us. That they would not merely just hear us, but they would hear Jesus through us. That the people would not merely feel us, but they would feel Jesus, uh, feel Jesus through us. They need to see Christ. So flesh needs to disappear. You say, well, what happens to me? What happens to you? You're right there in the glory. Hearing the voice of the Father in glory. 
Letting the Lord take you and, and use you in, in unusual ways. Unusual ways the world needs to see Christ manifested. And so while they're on the mountaintop here and, and the father has to speak to them and, and tells them, this is my beloved son, hear him. Hear him. Meaning not the, not the law, not the prophets, hear him. Not hearing your flesh, he'll hear him. Remember, this is not the hour of flesh. This is the hour of spirit. You are end time saints. You are the end time church. And if God's ever going to move through a people, it's going to be you. But it's going to be a people who will decide not to work and operate in their strength. You're going to have to operate in his strength and declare, Lord, in my weakness is your strength made perfect. I lean on you. I rely on you. I trust in you. Manifest your glory in and through me. But as long as you look at you, that's how you're going to be disqualified for it. Oh, Lord, I can't do it. I can't live right enough. I can't live holy enough. I keep messing up. I keep messing up. I can't live holy enough. I keep sinning. I see eyes on flesh. Put your eyes on him. Your eyes must be on him. And what you focus on, you will become like. Whatever you focus on, you become like. I've decided not to look at Mark Stroud anymore. I want to see Christ. And when you see Christ revealed in you, you become the greatest self that you've ever desired to be. You must see Christ revealed in you. Hallelujah. Let's go further on down. I want to show you more about this. So. We said last week, this is the hour of believing in him, believing in Christ, believing in him and declaring his word, declaring his word, believing in him, believing in the person of Jesus, declaring his word that is speaking it aloud. And you're going to give thanks to him and you're going to praise him until you see the manifestation occur. I would love to be changed in a moment, in an instant, in this walk. I'm not talking about rapture at this moment because, you know, rapture will be changed in a moment in an instant. But I would love to be changed in a moment where all these dead works just drop off of us in a moment, in an instant. But it is in our waiting on the spirit. It is in our waiting on him that the Lord actually strengthens us. He renews us in our waiting on him, in our patience as he is dealing with us day by day. He's changing us day by day. And as we're worshiping him and as we cry out to him, Lord, transform us, transform us, change us and renew us. But at the same time, we're waiting on the manifestation of him. And we're realizing that every moment we're waiting on him, he is changing us. He is changing us. He's renewing us us and he's strengthening us but there are some changes that won't that that won't be seen automatically just immediately some things will happen little by little over time as you wait upon the lord he will renew your strength as you're patient with the spirit of god we want change now god fill me with power now do it now but the holy spirit says wait be patient with me. 
Be patient with the transformation. Because in that time, that's when he's growing us and maturing us so that you can handle and hold the weight of glory that he's placing upon you. Are you hearing? Amen. Let's go further to the book of Mark now. We're going to hop on down to verse number 14. Mark 9, we're going to find the greater part of this, Mark 9 and uh, verse 14. We're going to see how far we can get today. Verse 14 says this, And when he came to his disciples, so of course the Lord Jesus, Peter, James, John, come out the mountain, and now he's going to the disciples that he left uh, in town there. He says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. Verse number 16, and he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Why are you arguing with them? What's going on? Verse 17, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son. Now, this is very critical here. You're going to see this as we go further down. Please listen. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Dumb spirit meaning speechless, mute. Either he can't talk or he wouldn't talk. I brought unto thy disciples my son which hath a dumb spirit. And verse 18, and wheresoever he taketh him. You can make note that the word taketh there means to seize. Means to seize. Meaning that this condition is not on him all the time, but it seizes him. He says, and whatsoever he taketh or seizeth him, he teareth him. The word teareth there means uh, convulsions. It means to throw down, to convulse, throw down, convulse, throw down. And he foameth. He foameth, that is, something is coming out of his mouth. Something is coming out of his mouth. He foameth and gnashes with his teeth. Gnasheth means to grind. Grind your teeth. Grind your teeth. And finally, pineth away. To make, pineth means to make rigid or to be dry. Look at the very last part of the verse. It says, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now, look at Jesus' reaction, and we go back to verse 18. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Now, this young man is not a part of the faithless generation. This child is not a part of the faithless generation. Like we would say today, there's some members of the X generation, I think, of millennial generation and, and the baby boomer generation and all the other kind of letters and stuff that I don't even know at this moment. Right? You are in that generation according to your age, according to your birth. You're part of that generation. Jesus said to this father, this is a faithless generation. A faithless generation produces Children that are vulnerable to these spirits. 
What's happening in this spirit? What's happening? What, what is exactly the Lord saying that we can see here even today's time? Look at verse 18 again. It says, and wheresoever he taketh him. In other words, something comes over my child. Something comes over. He's fine for a moment, but then something comes over him. And he teareth him. In other words, his whole attitude changes. It is thrown down. God told um, Cain in the very beginning, he said, why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, don't you know you're going to be accepted? So something comes over this young man in this generation. Something comes over them. And their attitude shifts and changes. And today there's a very angry attitude. Very defiant and hostile attitude that has come upon the generation. So, so it says he, there's something that comes over him and his entire attitude changes. And then he foams at the mouth. In other words, terrible things, terrible words come out of his mouth. Blaspheming and cursing words. This is happening in this generation. So something comes over them. They're fine for a moment. And then the whole attitude changes, and then nasty words start billowing out of their mouths. And then the Bible says he gnashes with his teeth or grinds his teeth. What happens when someone grinds their teeth? They're angry. You grind your teeth. Generation that is angry, that is hostile. So one, something comes over them. Two, the whole attitude changes. Three, harsh words Terrible words comes out of their mouth. For they're angry, just angry. And then the Bible says they pine away. In other words, they're, they're wasting their potential. They drying up or simply they won't listen to me. They won't listen to my counsel. So this is this young man that because of a, because of a faithless generation, a faithless generation... In other words, a generation that has not adhered to the word of God, a generation that has not adhered to God. Now, how do we know this is a faithless generation? One, because Jesus said it. And also because we know that what was the message that even John the Baptist came preaching? He told them, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, repentance means turn to God, turn to God. Even when John the Baptist came, went off the scene, Jesus began to pick up the same message. Repent. Turn to God. Turn to him. Turn away from everything else. So Jesus said, this is a faithless generation. Faithless does not mean that someone, oh, I only have a little bit of faith. Faithless means that you have turned your attention to somewhere else. This is a culture, this is a culture that has divided loyalty. And the Lord says, turn your attention back to me again. A faithless generation is not one, not, not a people who, who can't muster up the type of faith that they need. A faithless generation are people who are disobedient to God. And they don't want to have God in their knowledge. They're focused on other things. As the, as the Bible declares in the book of James, ye adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that the friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? This is why they were faithless, because their, their attention was divided. Their worship was divided. 
and which was the exact same thing with Elijah and Moses. What happened when Moses came down the mountain? He discovered that the people had made a golden calf. Their loyalty was divided. Same thing that happened with Elijah at Mount Carmel. What was the whole thing about? The people had been halt between two opinions. They didn't know whether to serve Baal or to serve God. They were faithless. Their loyalty was divided. And so Jesus said, you faithless generation. And it seemed as though he's chiding with them or he's rebuking them. He said, how long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. In other words, your actions has caused this to this young man. You have allowed this to come in unto him. Faithless generation. This is the generation that we're in right now. This is why there's so much of a departure, so it's such a great apostasy, because the generation has gone before. We've watered down the word, trying to get more and more members, trying to get a bigger, bigger church, trying to get a bigger, bigger following. We don't want to, we don't want to offend anybody now. And so the word has become something that is done just on the side. We'll serve Jesus with other things. Jesus is no longer the main menu, the main item. He's just one among other things that our church offers. What kind of trash is that? And so we see produced is a generation that is subject to these evil spirits that are in the world. Jesus said, this is a faithless generation, a faithless generation. Now, he also says some things here. Now, we're in Mark 9, but he also says some words there in Mark, the 8th chapter, about the generation. Mark, the 8th chapter. Let's look at Mark 8, verse 12. Go back one book in your Bible, or rather, uh, one chapter in your Bible, and the Lord Jesus continues to talk about the generation. This is the same chapter. Rather, the next chapter over, Mark 9, the same book, but we're going to Mark 8 now, and I want to show you something here. Mark 8 says this, Mark 8, verse 12, are you there? Mark 8, verse 12 says, and he sighed deeply in his spirit, talking about Jesus, and saith, why doeth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. Why do you seek for a sign? Now, the Bible declares in John, the fourth chapter, John 4, verse 48. John 4, verse 48. This is what the Lord Jesus said here. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And then in John, the 20th chapter, John 20, you can write this down to John 20, verse number 29. John 20, verse 29 says, Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So when Jesus said, this is a faithless generation, he said, this is a generation that, that always seeks for a sign. Show me something so that I can believe. Faithless generation. And isn't that what they're doing right now? The world is claiming that AI is the savior. I've seen some in the articles. And the AI will save us. The AI can do so much more to help humanity. The world is going straight over to the AI, making the artificial intelligence another god that will save them. 
But if they don't watch it, them and their AI are going to go straight to hell. Only Jesus is the Savior of the world. Are you hearing, saints of God? The Bible also declares there also in Mark, Mark 8, Mark 8, 38, Mark 8, 38. I want you to see this too. Mark 38, verse 38 says this. Whosoever therefore will be, or rather shall be, ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Remember, it's in the book of Mark. Whosoever therefore will be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father and with his father with the holy angels. So the Lord also calls it, again, an adulterous and sinful generation. An adulterous and sinful generation is one that will seek after signs, is one that Jesus says is faithless. Oh, you faithless generation. Why are they faithless? Not because they couldn't muster up the faith to believe, but because their, their loyalty was divided. Their loyalty was divided. They, they couldn't decide who they wanted to serve. That's why the Lord says, you're adulterous. He said, you're married to me, but you keep slipping out of our bed, going some other, going some other place. When will I have your complete loyalty? So the Lord said, you are a faithless generation. It's not having faith in faith, but having faith in God. You have no faith in God. And because of that, this has happened. To this young man. Now let's go back now. Let me show you some other things. Let's go back to Mark the ninth chapter. Mark 9. Mark 9 verse 19 again. And the Lord says. He answered him. And saith. O faithless generation. How long. Shall I be with you. How long. Shall I suffer you. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Verse 20, so that's the condition of this faithless generation. That's the product. That's what they produce. They produce people that are agnostic. They produce people that say, I don't know whether there's a God or not. Or they produce people who worship themselves, who worship other things, who worship AI, who worship technology. A faithless generation. And let me tell you this, child of God, before we go any further. There's so much of a hatred, so much of hatred against homosexual people or against lesbian people. There, there's so much, so much hatred against those that, the, those that are whoremongers or, or, or whatever type of other thing. There's so much hatred. People are hating people. But let me tell you this, and I want you to really hear me this. I want you to really hear me. Even if the gay person decides to become straight, even if the drunkard starts to stop drinking, even if the liar starts telling the truth, none of that matters in the term of God and eternity. They can change their attitude. They can change their life. But if Jesus is not involved, what would it matter? You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by who you know. Do you believe in Jesus? 
But the world gets all wrapped up in, oh, she's a, she's a lesbian. Oh, he's a homosexual. Oh, I don't care what you are. Gay, straight, black, white, Hispanic. I don't care where you were born. Do you know Jesus? I believe in the power of the gospel that when Jesus comes in, he can change a life. He can change a life. But why would we disqualify people? Oh, you can't know Jesus until you get that straightened out. Oh, you can't know Jesus until you get that straightened out. That is a doctrine of a devil. What would it matter if this man who has been uh, whoring around, or this woman that's been whoring around, they, now they become perfectly celibate? Are they going to go before God and say, God, I've been celibate now. That's why you should let me in. Your own righteousness is as a filthy rag. Your goodness does not qualify you for heaven. Neither does the evil or sin that we do disqualify us. It's all about Jesus. When Jesus comes in a life, when he comes in, he helps us. When a life is transformed, when a life is renewed, when a life is born again, he changes that life. Don't get wrapped up in the flesh and all the filthy mess all around. Jesus loves people. And when you disqualify them because of what you see, you're just like one of those Pharisees and scribes. Jesus can change anybody. Anybody. Whether the person's an axe murderer or a lumberjack, he can change anybody. You got me? Don't get wrapped up all in this. Don't get wrapped up all in this, this false church or whatever this thing is, where you look at people and you start pointing at people and say, you're doing this, you're doing this, so God won't like you. Stop that. That is trash. Are you hearing? Verse 20 says, and we begin to wrap up. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, that when that spirit saw Jesus, straightway the spirit tear him going through the same song and dance. Straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowing, foaming. It seems as though that things were getting worse. But in fact, they were just about to get better. Verse 21, and he asked the father, asked his father, I want you to see this. How long is it ago since this came upon him? And he said, of a child. Verse 22, and oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if, say if, yeah. say if. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. An unbelieving generation doubts the power of God. It's an if. It's a doubting generation. Again, this is not talking about whether you can uh, bring up a, a, or muster up some faith to believe in God for a house or to believe in God for your healing. And you say, Lord, I just can't believe you. I just, this has nothing to do with you mustering up anything. This is all about Jesus. If the Lord said here, this, the, Lord, the man said to Jesus, if you can do anything, he doubts God. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and 
and help us. Look at verse 23, how Jesus responds. Jesus says unto him, if, he gives him back an if, doesn't he? He says, if thou canst believe, and really, that's the crux of the matter. If you can believe, in other words, if you choose to believe, faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. In other words, Jesus is saying to, the, saying to this man, if you will look away from that, look away from what you see, look away from what you've heard, look away from your, what you've experienced, look away from the flesh, and look to me. If you simply choose to believe me, oh my God, Lord said, if you will simply choose to believe me, believe what I said, believe in my person, believe in my word. If you simply choose to believe in me, it's not about whether man can well up enough faith or not. It's his choice. He said, if the Lord said, if thou canst believe, if you choose to believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And which is, of course, the cure for an unbelieving generation. For a faithless generation, their hearts must be turned back to Christ. Verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. In other words, help me overcome my unbelief. Unbelief like in, but I still see this and I still see that and I still hear this and I still hear that. I still hear them talking about me. I still see the doctor's report. I still see the bank report. I still see the circumstances all around me. Help me turn my attention from that to you. Help me turn my attention from that to you. And look, and, and when Jesus, verse 25, when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. Take note of that. Take note of that. When Jesus came in contact with this young man, it seems to be the young man died. Verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he what? Arose. Dead one moment, seemingly dead one moment, but the next moment he arose. That talks about being born again. The death of the old, and now he arose. Jesus took him by the hand and he arose. And when he arose, he'll never have that problem ever again. Ever. What he was is gone. The born again experience. When a person comes in contact with Jesus. Remember when Saul came in contact with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus and became Paul? When we come in contact with Jesus... Don't doubt the power of the gospel. Let's finish it here. And in verse 28, and when he came, and verse 20, and when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, and this is where we end off today. What did they ask him? Why could not we cast him out? Why couldn't we do it? Now, their question was not one with power they, or experience. They'd cast out devils before. 
Jesus said to them earlier, Behold, I gave unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But here is the role of the church in the end times. I want you to hear this. As we begin to face these different spirits, spirits that are going on through the land, and this is what we need to ask Jesus. Why isn't there power in our services? Why isn't there power in my house? Why are people still dying prematurely? When I lay my hands on them, why aren't I seeing the healing? When I have prayed, why don't I see the result? Lord, tell me, why could not we deal with this? Why couldn't we cast this out? The true church questions instead of accepts. Well, I guess we just don't have the power, so let's form a doctrine. Let's call it sensationism. Sensationism, meaning that God doesn't do that stuff anymore. Let's just say God doesn't do it because we haven't seen it. God doesn't do it. And maybe when he heals somebody, hey, it's just when he does it. No, the true church in this hour is asking Jesus, why? Why is the pursuit of the presence of God? Why, Lord? I need the power. I need the, the manifest power in my life. I need your power. I need your presence because the true church has seen the desperation of the fathers, has seen the, the problems of the youth, and the true church is calling out, Lord, we've been praying, we've been having programs, but nothing seems to be happening. Why the true church is still calling out for the power of God and not just merely sitting around and accepting it. And start talking about philosophies and, and other things. The true church is seeking for power and understanding. This is what you need to do today, saints. I recently had to go to a, yet another hospital room. Where the doctors had given up on this young lady, 22 years old. The waiting room was full of people crying and in tears. And this was the daughter of a, of a mother and father, and this was, this was their only child. Their only child. The pastor and the congregation had prayed, and they had prayed, and they had prayed, and they had prayed. Yet this issue grew worse. And I yet believed. I heard the doctor's report, but I yet believe. Please take me to her. Please take me to her. Please take me to her. Please. Please. I felt the spirit of God say, go, go, please. When I got there, please take me to her. Please take me to her. I had to wait a while. Lord, why am I waiting so long? Please get me in there. I finally got back there and I got on my knees by her bed all the machines going, the oxygen and all that going. And I knelt down, and there was some family there in the room, and I knelt down on my knees before, on the, 
um, on the floor there before the bed, and I laid my hands upon her, her feet area there that's covered by blanks and all that, and I just prayed, and I 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 asked God, Lord, return her life, restore her, restore, 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 and I prayed, and I believe, 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 and I prayed, and prayed, and the next day she died. God, why? God, why? Where is the power? Where is the manifestation? I'm not into this accepting thing. I'm not into this accepting thing. Well, I guess you don't do that anymore. No, I'm not into that. There must be power. I'm praying, God, Every day, and I pray that it is our prayer that we ask the Lord the same thing, that we seek him, that we seek his word, that we seek to know. Seek to know. And what did Jesus answer them? How did Jesus answer them? As we're about to close out, y'all stay with me. Verse 28 says, And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? Verse 28. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Because I think by and large, we have missed this, what he's saying here. Prayer and fasting talks about having a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. You don't come up on the situation and say, oh, this is one of those. Give me a few days to go back and fast and pray. And then I'll be back after I have fasted and prayed. You may not have the time to go back and fast and pray for a few days a week. That is, you're going to have to live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. A lifestyle of prayer and fasting is a lifestyle of denying self. Of denying self. Of understanding, Lord, that I don't have it in me, but you have it. And I ask you... To come in me, I ask you to live big in me. I ask you to infiltrate my life, so to speak. I ask you to to reign supreme in me. I ask that your spirit would be mighty in me. That is, you living your life day by day, day by day, by the grace of God, by the way. Asking for his strength to help you pray. Asking for his strength to help you study his word. Asking for his strength to depart the things of the world and give your life and complete and live your life in complete submission unto him. Now, that's not a very popular message. Mary prayed that same prayer, and I'm closing the book. When the angel Gabriel came to her, she said to the angel Gabriel, she didn't understand what he was saying. He said, well, you're going to have a child. And she said, how should this be? Because I know not a man. And the angel said, well, that holy, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And that holy thing that will be born of you will be called the son of the highest, will be the Christ. All God was looking for was Mary's yes. Mary said, be it unto me even according to your word. Because Mary could not bring that forth by herself. Neither can you bring forth the power and presence of God by yourself. All God is looking for is your yes. 
be it unto me. Be it unto me, even according to your word, because there are things written about you in God's book. God has plans for you, perfect plans for you, perfect plans for you. But he's just looking for your yes, for your submission to him, giving your life completely to him. Now, can you do can you give your life to him completely by yourself? No. Can you read your Bible every day and pray every day, powerful prayers every day by yourself? No. It's going to be a work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. If you could be holy all in through yourself, if you could do the work, God would not have sent Jesus. So we're leaning on him and we're relying on him and we're trusting in him and we're seeking his face. God, why? Help me. Help me. Help me. No one else needs to die prematurely on my watch. No one else needs to be sick around me on my watch. God, help me become, become what you've called me to become. Somebody's going to get a hold of that. And it's going to end up being just like the Lord did with the children of Israel, uh, like with uh, Peter, James, John on the mountain, where they saw no flesh. They only saw Jesus. That's what it's going to take in this hour. Because this kind that's come in this generation has never been here before. Not like this. Not like this. These bold devils, not like this. You're going to need the power of the Spirit. This kind, as Kendrick said, that shoots up people, that shoots in the malls, that shoots, shoots here and shoots there, even is shot in some churches. Shoots at school and all this. This kind, you're going to need authority. Fasting and prayer helps you to gain the intimacy with God that you need. Whether you're fasting, breakfast. God give you strength to fast, breakfast. You know he gave you strength to fast it because, hey, you can do it. He said, I guess not lunch because I feel like I'm dying. So we pray the next time. God, give me grace. You know whether he gave you grace or not. You're going to have to have him to lead you through and walk you through all of it. But when it is said and done, we'll see each other in eternity. When the Lord Jesus comes for his church, wouldn't you want to know, Lord, that you have prayed all that you can pray. You have you had dependence upon him. And you did all that you were supposed to do. Every day. You're crying out to him. When you want to know that you did all that you could do. He's coming again. But before Jesus comes for his people, he's going to come in his people. Let him come in you. Praise God. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word you've given us today. Lord, I do pray that you would continue to deal with the hearts of your people that we will pour out our lives unto you. Lord, I pray respectively that there will be none of us but all of you respectively. Lord, I pray that there will be more and more and more of you and less and less and less of us. Lord, that you would show yourself strong in our lives and in through our lives. We need you. 
Lord, if there's somebody listening and watching right now that has not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their lives, Father, I do pray that today, that they will decide to believe in Jesus and that their whole life will change forever. We give you praise, Father, all the honor and glory. Thank you for hearing us as we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you again next time. Amen. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.